It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Steve and Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan, Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Oh, happy Sunday to you. I'll tell you what, uh, I don't know if you saw that abomination in boxing last night. We'll get to that in just a second. Nick Roddy with us this evening, telling me he's uh, nice and fresh this evening, coming off a a trip to the movies last night. Yeah, like 2019. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) TBT. Uh, And that was a weird experience, I take it, or not so much? No, it kind of felt pretty normal. Uh, All right. I don't know. It's like one of those things that you don't really think about because you haven't been to the movies in a, sure. a, a year, but it, I didn't really feel any different. All right. You got your Mike and Ike's ago. and your popcorn and away you went. Yeah, Reese's you saw Pieces. A, movie. a little slushy. Good. Very yeah. good. Um, it, I, so, look, it, boxing <laughs> it, boxing has become a much smaller thing over the years. Obviously, with the ascension of the UFC and, and, and everything that has become, boxing's taken a back seat. And so it's funny when they make a big deal out of a, of a boxing match with no boxers in it. And, and it's been that way for a while. And now you're getting into a situation here where you've got this. Uh, who is this guy? He's a YouTuber. He's like a video blogger dude on YouTube. Jake Paul. Okay. Uh, well, apparently he's considers himself a boxer now. Uh, he he fought in his third match last night, or his match, his his third this third boxing match against a once now retired and now current wrestling coach, but this former UFC fighter, uh, fighter Ben Askren, um, and he knocks this dude out in one round. This this Jake Paul. So now he's three and zero in his quote unquote boxing career. And uh, Nick, who was the other dude he he beat uh, pretty quick? Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson. Former yeah, NBA player. Former NBA, yeah. So it's like, what is this? What What do you expect people to pay for to watch? I, I, I'm just confused as to are, are we? Is this supposed? There's they're billing this as a real boxing match. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis, yeah. Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Okay. Ah, it, it's just incredible. Apparently, this dude's gonna make. So, um. I'm trying to find exactly the number. So he was expected to make 690K from this fight. But against uh, Nate Robinson, who he beat pretty quickly, what was it, uh, in the f- second round? Yeah, I think second said. round. Um, He made $10 million in that fight. Like, who is, who, I don't know who's paying to see that. All his like, YouTube you gotta fans. You've got to be a real degenerate. It's to probably watch, not, uh, it's... I'm not sure it's as much old old time boxing fans. It's the YouTube crowd. That's who's paying to watch this. So it's a complete novelty then. Like it's not real boxing. No. So can we no. stop calling it boxing? I think we should. It's not boxing then. Yep. Um. By the way, uh, Pete Davidson out at SNL last night was on like the pre-call, and uh, he was talking about. He was like, "Man, this boxing match shows me just how low boxing has come." 
And it was like a joke. He was trying to be funny. I mean, but it was true. I laughed and I'm like, oh my God, he's right. Yeah, boxing is not what it used to be. By the way, we had a great discussion yesterday with uh, our good friend Scott Bischoff about the uh, uh, NFL draft coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Um, I-, I am of the belief, Nick, that at this point, there is just no way the Lions are, are drafting a quarterback at number seven. Even if they trade back, I'm pretty confident in saying that they're not going to pick a-, a quarterback here in the first round. I would tend to agree, but I think Scott mentioned this last night. How many times are you at the top of the draft where you can take a quarterback like Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones? You're probably not going to be there a lot. At, no, you're not going to be there a lot. Now, you, now you were there last year where you could have taken Tua or Justin Correct. Herbert. And you kind of said the same thing last year. How many times are you going to be at the top of the draft? Well, they're, well they're there again. So are you going to pass on a quarterback again? Well, and, and to more of to Scott's point, it's the fact that you're not going to give up more, you know, in picks or whatever, trading players to then move up in the draft to, to draft your quarterback. So as you stand here at seven, you're probably going to have a shot at somebody. You probably more than likely Trey Lance. So is that the guy you want to go after? I, I just I don't think they're going to. And I, I my my guess is that they're going to they're going to try to trade back and maybe take, you know, somebody like Micah Parsons. Um, or, or, or a receiver if, or a receiver or a receiver. But, um, if Penny Sewell's there too, I think that's a pretty much done deal. Yeah. Uh, t- tough, a couple of days here for the Tigers. They're out in Oakland. They're, uh, Oh, and three so far. I know you got some numbers, uh, along with some other stuff, Nicholas. Yeah. Tigers are looking to avoid the sweep by the athletics. They were shut out on Friday and Saturday. Matthew Boyd got the start today. He's still in the game. We are uh, middle of the eighth, so he's coming back on the field for the eighth inning. Um, Chris Bassett started for Oakland. Detroit will turn home, uh, return home for a three-game series against the Pirates starting tomorrow. Right now it is 2-1 Tigers. Harold Castro had a two-run single in the sixth. Pistons lost to the Wizards 121-100 last night. We'll host the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow at LCA. We'll have Rod Bert, uh, Rod Beard on of the Detroit News next segment. Uh, the Red Wings will face the Dallas Stars tomorrow night on the road. Get this, their first of four straight games against the Stars. Detroit had their three-game win streak snapped yesterday with a 4-0 loss to the Blackhawks. San Jose Sharks forward Patrick Marlowe has tied Gordie Howe for the most NHL games played mm. with 1,767 NHL games. Now, Mr. Hockey played that is in... wild. Now, Gordie Howe played in 417 games in the World Hockey Association after playing in the NHL, and those don't count towards that record. So just as the NHL record right now for Patrick Marlowe. Uh, well, and let play. me say this. Uh, let me just real quick. Let me say, uh, Patrick Marlowe, I, I, I absolutely... I mean, when you're talking about that kind of quasi rivalry between the wings and the sharks. Oh yeah. God, he hated Patrick Marlowe. Yep. Joe Thornton. Oh, all those guys. Oh, that stupid beard. <laughs> yep. Uh, Stuart sink just won the uh, RBC heritage at Hilton head at 19 under his 15th mm. PGA tour win. Alex Pillow wins the Indy uh, grand prix at Alabama. Uh, the NASCAR cup series is going on in Richmond and the uh, Toyota owners 400 and uh, the Michigan Wolverines gymnastic team won their f- program's first national championship yesterday. So congrats to the Wolverines. Gymnastic school. Here we go. Can't be a football school. <laughs> Here we go. 
Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, look, and we got a lot more to come today. Uh, you got Rod Beard coming up in just a couple minutes uh, from the Detroit News. We're going to talk some Pistons because, look, I, this team is not very good. We know that. They're not anywhere nearing contention. But at least they're at a point now where they're going to be able to, you know, you got some guys you're going to be able to keep around and try to start building this thing for the future. We've got a wild story out of Europe, too. European soccer, you'll never believe what's going on over there. It is absolutely insane. We'll talk about that coming up in the uh, bottom of the 6 o'clock hour at 6.32. And then uh, we got our guys that spin on golf coming up at 7 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. Lots to do here on Sports Wrap on WJR. WJR's Sports Rep. Sports Rep. Give us a call. And tomorrow we'll be at uh, Grand Blanc, Warwick Hills, for the Pro-Am. And the state of Michigan has gone absolutely bananas over Tiger Mania. Now back to more Sports Rap. 1,000 people today at 7 a.m. to watch Tiger Woods at a practice round. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. I haven't seen this many guys thrown out of anywhere since Dime Beer Night at the local tavern. Here's Chris. Look, we know the Pistons aren't in a place that they're going to start contending for a division or or uh, the playoffs, certainly. I mean, look, I think I, at this point, um, you're just trying to evaluate the talent you have. I think you've unloaded some of the more cumbersome uh, deals and contracts, and at this point, it's just trying to move forward to see what kind of talent you got. I mean, look, to me, it's it makes a lot of sense, and they've got they've got some guys that I think that they're going to hold on to. Um, but look, they're wildly inconsistent, and they just need. Um, I think it would certainly behoove them to to have a top pick in the in the in the lottery, which they will. And depending on how everything shakes out, there's a lot of options here uh, for the Pistons. Rod Beard, the beat writer for the Pistons over at the Detroit News, joins us this evening. And Rod, good, good evening to you. Good evening to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it. I mean, look, I think outside of the Josh Jackson, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart, I mean, those are kind of at this point, it seems, your building blocks. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think Josh Jackson might even be on the expendable list if you if you really start to drill down into it because his contract is a little bit bigger. But uh, on the surface, certainly a young guy who has some skill that you just picked up off the scrap heap. It's it's certainly something that could build on. Does he have more value in terms of uh, maybe a trade asset? Potentially. And again, that's it's a movable contract. He's not a must-have for your roster, but you'd like to have somebody like that who has that skill set, who's from Detroit and has that Detroit spirit that certainly helps. But if you could get a, a late first-round pick for him, I'm, I'm pretty sure Troy Weaver would think hard about that. Jeremy Grant's really uh, tailed off a little bit from his hot start, but he's been the Pistons' uh, highest scorer. What does Troy Weaver think of uh, Jeremy Grant so far, and does he become expendable later in his contract? I, I, my feel is that I think he's a foundational piece, and he's the one good player that you have to have to, to really make an NBA roster go. When this, this rebuild gets into the, the next stages of it, you're going to start to find other like top-level NBA players to add to it. I think what we're looking at is after next summer when Blake Griffin's contract comes off the books and um, some of the other ones – that they're going to be able to add another top-tier free agent somewhere in the $20 million or $30 million range if they want to do that because they'll have the cap space and the availability to be able to do it. And all of these young guys that we're talking about, 
none of these guys are over eight, nine, ten million dollars in terms of their their contract. Even Mason Plumley, I think, is the next highest after that, and he's somewhere around nine million. So you're talking about the finances being in good order, the talent being there, and you've got all of these four draft picks that you've got for this year under team control, under rookie contracts for the next four years. I mean, that's the, the big headline in all of this is that they've handled this in a responsible way and found some gym they can build around. You, you talked about Troy Weaver and you talked about the foundation and where this thing is going. What is his, what, what do you think his vision is for this team moving forward and, and kind of his philosophy on some of these guys? I think he just wants guys who, I mean, from a physical standpoint, who are, are long-armed and kind of gangly, who can play defense and, and get into the passing lanes and clog it that way. But I think it is also just guys who are unselfish and um, who want to go out and play on a night-to-night basis. And I think you, you got kind of three-for-three three with that. When you look at the way that Sadiq Bay plays, the way that Isaiah Stewart plays, they're not about their stats. They're about just going out and doing what's best for the team. Josh Jackson, the same sort of way. Um, and Killian Hayes is turning into that type of flashy player, but he, he, he's just a solid player. He's not going to go out and wow you every night, but every once in a while he's going to do something that make you, makes you kind of ooh and ah. And so I think these are just going to be nose-to-the-grindstone type players um, with good skill sets that are just going to be about a team concept, and, and that Dwayne Casey's the perfect coach to kind of lead that effort because he's known for his development in doing that. But then also starting from scratch almost this year, Building up to that, I think he's been experienced enough in that where it, where it works for him. So the Pistons drafted Killian Hayes seventh last year. Um, you don't think that precludes them from drafting a point uh, point guard early in this upcoming draft, do you? I don't think so. And, and I think if you're looking at Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, it's just Casey likes having multiple ball handlers, multiple point guards on the court at the same time. If you think about um, Toronto, he did that quite a bit there with Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. So it, it's kind of that mold and that um, prototype that you can look at and say, well, hey, Cunningham fits. He could be the, the off guard and, and Hayes could be the, the main guard. Or with Suggs, it could be the same sort of thing. But again, you want to have that size. You want to have a 6'3", 6'5", guy. That the, the years of the six-foot point guard, they're just trying to get away from that. They want guys with good size at every position. Uh, speaking of the draft, I mean, do, do you have, a, 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 I guess, an idea of where they want to go here? I mean, you, you talked about Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. You talked about uh, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. But another name that I've seen kind of bandied about, depending on where they they fall, is a guy like Evan Mobley out of USC. They had a nice run, a deep run into the tournament. Kind of unexpected, but he played really well. Uh, obviously, there's some talent at the top there. W- would you see uh, one way or another where they'd like to go with this? I think they will take anybody that comes to them as long as they're in the top five. I think that the positioning there is more important than anything else. If they end up at six or seven, the talent drops off a little bit from that point. But I think you just got to be in the top five because you can find a spot for for Jalen Green, for Jonathan Kaminga, for Evan Mobley. They fit still with what you're trying to do because you need wings. You need another point guard. You can use Mobley as a center. And we've already seen that they've tried out um, Isaiah Stewart at power forward. So they're preparing for that eventuality. And it, it's kind of smart on their part instead of saying, let's wait to summer league and, and try to move Stewart over to, to the power forward. Let's see what he could do there now. And we're seeing with the development of his jump shot and playing a little bit off the ball and, and doing some different things in that power forward spot when he's playing with Plumley, that they're at least tinkering with the idea of that just in case Mobley is there for them. 
Yeah, we're joined by Rod Beard, Pistons beat writer at the Detroit News. Let me take you off topic here for just a second. Uh, Andre Drummond rocking a new set of grills, 20K worth. I, I wanted to 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 talk about this uh, quote from Kyle Kazuma, of course, of Flint, talking about Andre Drummond, basically saying in a nutshell that Andre's never really been coached. So basically, now that he's in L.A., trying to work him through some stuff, being coachable, is that uh, was that ever an indication of the way he played? He just wasn't being coached well enough? No, I, don't, I, I disagree with that. I think he was coached, and, and Stan Van Gundy tried to pull the most out of him that he could. I think what, what Drummond sometimes suffered from was, was trying to be a different type of player than what he was. He always tried to expand out and be more like a um, – uh, uh, Jokic or, or somebody like that. He's mm-hmm. the best rebounder of this era. And if he just focused on that, he, he could be a better overall player. Year after year, he tried to add the three-point shot to his game, and, and he worked outside the paint a little bit more. And that worked to some degree. But if he yeah. just stayed in the paint and just stayed with a specific skill set, he might have been quite a bit better than he is. But uh, playing in L.A. is going to help him. He didn't quite play around the talent that he has in L.A. And so it's going to bring out different parts <laughs> of his game where he can just focus on that. Imagine what LeBron or, or, or Anthony Davis is going to do if he tries a, a, a jump shot from the free throw line. I mean, that's just yeah. not in their offense. And every shot he's taken is one that they're not. So I think he'll, he'll, he'll settle nicely into a good role there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Rod, good good stuff. Always appreciate talking with you, and thanks for uh, carving out some time for us tonight. We appreciate you. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. There he is, Rod Beard, the Pistons beat writer over at the Detroit News. A lot of good stuff, and we'll watch this team as they go along here. Only a few games left, but uh, they are certainly an intriguing team to watch. They, they've got some talent. We'll see what Troy Weaver, a general manager over there, uh, can do with it. All right, wacky stuff happening across the pond. We've got uh, mayhem unfolding amongst football teams. Yes, football teams in Europe. And uh, we're going to break it all down for you because it is absolutely wild stuff. That's coming up next here on Sports Wrap on WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. That's taken now to the podium and Lions owner Bill Ford. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Right now, Wayne Fonts and his staff are no longer the coaches of the Detroit Lions. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Look, I don't know how much you follow soccer or not, okay? And, and most people here in the States don't. But it is the world's most popular game, okay? And, and the way that these soccer leagues are are built and structured are a little different than how we see our sports here in the United States, okay? So, for example, you you would be it would be more like um, you'd have uh, an NFL of multiple uh, countries, and uh, then the winners or the, 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 the best teams of each league would then play each other. Right. So you've got the series a, that's like the, the big league in Italy. You've got the premier league in England, the Liga one France, the La Liga in Spain, you've got the Bundesliga out in Germany and they all kind of fall under the UEFA champions league tent. Okay. And so the best teams from all of those, uh, leagues, then go play in the Champions League. So what what is being bandied about now amongst these 
elite teams in all of these different leagues is leaving essentially the leagues that they are in and forming a supergroup. Not totally leaving them, but forming a supergroup in which they play other high level teams. So you start talking about the teams that are in it Manchester United, Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Tottenham, all in England of the Premier League. You've got the Spanish clubs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. They've endorsed this idea of a Super League. You've got the Italian teams, Juventus, AC Milan, and Inter Milan, all buying in on this idea. You've got a a, a couple of teams in Germany, in Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, all talking about possibly joining the Super League. They haven't, in Germany, signed on to this completely yet, but they haven't uh, totally shunned it. So what does this mean? It means that that these pillars of soccer in these countries would be turning their backs on many, many smaller outfits for money. You're talking about each team joining the Super League promised up to $425 million just to sign up. ESPN reporting J.P. Morgan Chase is going to bankroll the thing. Up to $6 billion in loans. B with a B. $6 billion. Now look, it's it's a little bit difficult to to understand this and and even to try to explain it. But think of it like this. Think of it in terms of college athletics. Now you're talking about poaching Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, Florida State, Texas, Oklahoma, USC, and forming a super conference. Well, what does that do to schools like Northwestern? What does that do to schools like Maryland? What does that do to schools like Vanderbilt or Utah? What does that do to small? It would, it would, it would financially cripple them. And that's what is being proposed in England or what's being proposed in Europe. I mean, it is a, it is an absolutely wild concept that, that this is possibly going down. And they're talking about making announcement as early as today. I mean, look, Nick, I, I know that this is a little, it's a little weird because I don't know how much people really care about football or soccer. I like soccer. <laughs> I do too. Um, so I don't know that people really care about it, but it's, a, it's, an, it's an absolutely wild thought to think yeah. that uh, these top tier teams, and look, everybody knows who Man, Man United, you know, Manchester United is. Everybody knows... Uh, who who Juventus is Barcelona? Eh, maybe not <laughs> Barcelona. Everybody knows these teams. These are, these are like the yeah, Yankees. Yep. These are like the Dallas Cowboys. These are these are really iconic teams worth a boatloads of money. And this just seems to me like an absolute cash grab. And, and I don't know if I'm. I don't think I'm alone here. I mean, look, I know we've got some audio here. Gary Neville. He's a eight-time Premier League title winner with Man United. Former defender for Manchester United, played for England, and now he's a Sky Sports co- correspondent over in England, and he had some scathing things to say. 
They've got no loyalty to this country and these leagues. Enough is enough. You've just hit the nail on the head there. Enough is enough. There isn't a football fan in this country that won't be seething and shouldn't be seething listening to this conversation and these announcements. Manchester United fans, you know, Roy loves United. I love United. Michael loves Manchester City. You know, this is disowning your own club stuff, this. This is disowning your own club. I mean, seriously. How could you even think to come and watch a Super League here where you've left your 14 clubs in the Premier League behind to play against each other? Your Championship club's dead. Your EFL 1 and 2 club's dead. Your National League, your pyramid system that you've fought for for 150 years has gone because of six clubs. Absolutely embarrassing. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Let them break away, but honestly, punish them straight away. Just punish them. If they announce a letter of intent has been signed as six clubs, they should be punished heavily. Massive fines, points deductions, take the titles off them. Who cares? Give the title to Burnley, Fulham. Let, let, Bullham, let Fulham stay up. Relegate United, Liverpool and Arsenal. Because them three clubs, to be fair, are the history of this country. They should be the ones that should suffer most. Yet Chelsea, City, new money in the game. They've sort of come forward. I'm not happy with them either, let's be clear. Tottenham, I'm not really that bothered about. You know, Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal, they should know better. The history and tradition that runs through those three clubs is absolutely enormous. I value it. I value the history and tradition that runs through those three clubs. But I tell you what, they leave a lot to be desired at this moment in time, the three of them. That's a, that's a, that's a, a former Man United player for sure. Poor Tottenham. Oh, my goodness. But he's right. What about what, what happens to the Burnleys now, and the Crystal Palaces and the Everton? Okay, they get screwed. So maybe. Because this seems to be in addition to their league and I, I don't think they'd be a lot. UEFA is threatening to kick them out of the UEFA Champions League. Correct. So that's one thing. But this would be in addition to their current structure, their, like the pyramid structure he's talking about. Right. I think the biggest thing for him is the pride in, in playing your country. Absolutely. But the, the money is, is new money. It's not like they're, um, you're, they're getting rid of their league structure and they're joining their own league and they're leaving. It would just be, it would be a weekday thing with these uh, 16 teams and they would make $5 billion at the hands of uh, JP Morgan. It does seem like a cash grab. And, and, and look, UEFA, Absolutely. FIFA, they are all coming out and, and condemning this completely. Threatening to not allow the players to play in the World Cup. So the World Cup is is a little different, right? The World Cup is a FIFA event. Yeah. That is a that is a FIFA event. So they could say, We don't want you, you, you can't play. You're not play if if you play for Man U, you, you can't play. If you if you play for Real Madrid, you ain't playing. If you play for Barca, you ain't playing. Which means you've got guys like Lionel Messi who couldn't go and play for Argentina. Right? And the Argentinian fans would be losing their minds because now they don't have the best player on the planet. Yeah, I said it. They don't have the best player on the planet playing for their their country now. So the, there are there are as you fall down the waterfall, there are more uh, impactful side effects here. Now, I don't believe it doesn't sound like to me that FIFA has any control over who would play in like let's say the Olympics. 
But you're right, Nick. They're coming out and saying you can't play. You can't play any any FIFA, which is the overall governing body. You wouldn't be able to participate in anything FIFA related. Which is just why this whole thing is absolutely wild. Again, think of it like college football. Think of it like college basketball. Taking the yeah. the, the, the three so, best teams in each conference and forming a new conference. And it's not even while forming. Still playing, it, well, while still playing your old conference schedule. I would compare it to, yeah, I would compare it to if Michigan, Michigan State, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA, all those Gonzaga, all started their own NCAA tournament. They're going to play mm-hmm. the regular season, but hey, this NCAA tournament, we're making our own. It's just an incredible thought because these, I mean, this way of, of the system for these teams has been like this for years. I mean, years, decades. And there's been rumors of something like this happening for a while, but never actually acting on it. Well, now, I mean, they're saying things have been agreed upon. Like things are, are almost done waiting for an announcement. I mean, it's just, (laughs) if you haven't seen anything about this, I would highly recommend you go look it up because there's a lot to get into that we didn't get into, but it, it is an incredible story of what's happening in European soccer right now amongst the elite of the elite teams. And cannot I could never imagine that them restructuring things like the way they are, all at the hands of the ownership of these teams. And it's, it's crazy wild. because a, a lot of this, a lot of these owners, are now kind of Americanized. Sure, like the money's coming from J.P. Morgan, and <laughs> yeah, and a right. lot of these owners, like Liverpool. Yeah. Owned by the same owner as, uh, I think, the Red Sox. I think it's Liverpool. Like, a lot of these owners of these soccer teams are American. It's American money. Yeah. So they're controlling European mm. soccer now. Wild. Crazy stuff. All right, more to come here on Sports Wrap. Spin on golf coming up next. We'll talk to the guys out of DGC. I'm Chris Renwick. He's Nick Roddy. We'll be back. More Sports Wrap coming up next. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. Stewart Sink. How's it sound? Three-time RBC Heritage champ today picks up the win. Uh, I believe he's a two-time winner on the year, Stuart Sink. And uh, I know that we're going to get some comprehensive analysis from our good friends over on Spin on Golf. Sean Belegian, Jordan Young, Mike Fade, Brian Cairns, BC. How we doing, fellas? All good. Yeah, everything's good. Oh, there you are. We're on screen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we're on. We, we are great here at Detroit right Golf here. Club. My first visit of the year, so we're excited to get rolling. But, yeah, Stuart Sink, uh, three-timer. He's a tall dude, too. He can hit it. He is a big dude. Lengthy big guy. Dude. Uh, 37 yeah. years old, too. Yes. Right. Beating up those young kids. Right. Like right. to see right. that. New 30 yeah. is the new 30, man. <laughs> 
Uh, Shawnee, it was really cool. Um, the, 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 I thought it was a really fun tournament to watch and I thought he, he played pretty well all weekend. Cruise control today, you know, that's the position that he put himself into. And, you know, it wasn't, it's never easy on the tour, but let's face it, he was able to go in, in, in a little bit of, of cruise control today when you can shoot a 70 and still win going away by four strokes. That mm -hmm. means you played some heck of a good golf game over the course of the weekend. And that's exactly what we saw. Uh, boys, how'd you think it was playing this weekend out in Hilton Head? He's not easy, but I guess pretty benign conditions, not real windy, but uh, man, they, they did some target practice this week. It was perfect. Don't Six. you feel though, like it's kind of, is it a letdown after the masters? No. Mm -hmm. These guys, this is fired up or what? I, I, you know what? They're, they're dealing with FedEx cup points and they see the big picture. They, I think they treat it just the same, you know, look, you said, why did DJ play or why did they I know. play? Why did they play? Because well, I know he's get, won before. Yeah, he's won before. But um, they, they got to get their events in, and they know every point is really important. Every every point at the end of the year is really It just important. blows my mind, though, how you go from Augusta and not, not take anything away, anything away from Harbortown. But, I mean, it's always where they're at the week after. It's always been on the schedule that way. And it's always interesting to see who plays well there and who always plays there. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I just think it's a favorite of a lot of people. It is, it is a cool place down at the bottom of the island there, Mike. It is a very cool place. But like you said, it, you know, the wind blows. Scores aren't 63-63, No, yeah. <laughs> to win, right? And They're let's alive. be honest. Let's be honest. $1.3 million does not hurt. And, and, and uh, he, he was able to cash a little check just under $1.3 million. And as BC brought up, I mean, you get those 500 FedEx points. I mean, that's uh, can't put a price tag on that. So for guys that are, are around that age, we can still get it done. Don't put us out to pasture just yet. You young ones, Chris Renwick, don't you dare do yeah, that Chris. to us. We aren't going anywhere. I would never, ever, ever do that. Uh, let, let me ask you this. Some of these guys, you know, when you play a, 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 a place like Augusta national and, and, and the challenging nature of it, do they kind of like something a little more watered down after an event like that? Boy, that's, I, I, I don't know if that's the right comment or not. I mean, Harbor town is not easy, right? It's kind of like dink, dink, dink. You got to go from yeah. here, there, through the trees, canopies. I mean, I've, I don't know. It's, Screens are smaller. Yeah, guys, it is straight, and you got soft landing. Uh, you know, ball flight. Right, team I'm not to do starting well. a tee shot out 25 yards right of the fairway and a big sweeper in there at, uh, yeah. at the MCI. I'm surprised Farner played so well though. Um, yeah, well, he hits it pretty straight anyway. Connors, I can understand. Stats, but um, but uh, I, you know what? I, I'm looking at the picture here online, and I'm trying to figure out who's older. You know, I don't know. Um, Legion looks pretty clean cut. I don't even recognize oh, yeah. him. I want yeah. to get closer as you can see on my camera. Yeah. I'm like, wow, does he look young? I'm no, sitting in the nosebleeders back here in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. What do you guys got? I don't want to rip the host apart, but I'm just saying. What do you guys got coming up? Oh, geez. So, you know, Scott or Sean's our, our leader, the captain there, but we've got some. Uh, First tee stuff coming up. We've got some newest things mm. there. We've got uh, a little bit of talk about Harbor Town, and LPGA I think event. some of the LPGA event. We had girls shoot a little six four six four. Oh my 
gosh. We might talk a little bit about the uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic coming up here at DGC. Definitely. Definitely. We're going to be talking to Chip Graham, the executive director of the Ben Hogan Foundation as yes. well. I mean, so many cool things going on with them and, uh, you know, partnering with uh, some of our friends here, Chris, at, at 760 WJR, which is which is just an outstanding thing. I don't think people understand some of the great things going on in the world of golf. I remember, BC, you talked about it last year. I don't think the average sports fan understands how much giving back the world of golf does. I really, truly don't. It's, it's amazing how much uh, giving back is being done, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that to, today uh, with Chip Graham. I, I just think it's it's so understated. You know, it's not why the PGA Tour runs their tournaments to give guys millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's to make sure the communities that they're in are benefiting from their existence. And that's their mission statement, and that's their philosophy, and they live and die by it. And that's why the PGA Tour will do well. And because, look at the group here with Rocket Mortgage. Oh, yeah. And Mr. I mean, Dan I mean, Gilbert. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I they mean, have given back so uh, much. It, and, their hands uh, are in everything. It's amazing. And and this year is even going to be bigger and better. Yeah. So. Well, you know, what's really cool about that is from a PGA perspective, they're not just broadcasting that out there. Like, they're not looking for props or kudos or brownie points, right? Like, they're doing it because that's what they want to do. They, they want to make sure that everybody in these communities are taken care of. I think it's cool. It's her choice. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Danny Gilbert said, you're coming to my town to play this tournament and because he wanted his town to benefit from this event. And kudos to Danny. Yeah, good team. stuff. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, you got the, uh, the 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 tour progressing. You got Zurich next week down in New Orleans, and then Valspar, Wells Fargo, and then AT and T, uh, and then oh, and then the PGA Championship. There's a lot of really good events on the horizon. Yeah, some good Southern golf courses involved coming up here. You know, you've got Tarpon Springs with the Valspar, and then um, you've got Kiowa, obviously. Kiowa's Kiowa. Yeah. Do you think we're, do you think Kiowa's going to get two inches of snow on Tuesday? Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, I still got my park on. What is going on? <laughs> Keep the tour in the south before it comes up here. It's just snowing. Yeah, they got a pretty Crazy. good stretch there. The AT and T, obviously in Texas again. My Mike get uh -huh. uh, Colonial. Colonial. Yep. So yeah, the stretch that the tour has is it's pretty awesome. I mean, yeah. and the I'm PGA, jumping. the PGA, PGA Kiowa, mm, man, one of my favorite places in the world. <laughs> That was one of my favorite too. Yeah. Remember the alligator? Yeah, that was a big alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Walking across the street of where we were staying. Yeah, it was Massive. the whole length of the street. It was bigger than the thickest table. Yeah. <laughs> it was like easy. You, you talked about the snow too. I gotta imagine that there are are a, a couple of groundskeepers around the state of Michigan absolutely freaking out. Uh, you know, coming out of winter here that we could be getting another two to five inches of snow. I don't think so. I don't think I, so. I think what happened two weeks ago, the superintendents are kind of thinking, what is this place going to look like in August? A little early, maybe a little too much stress on the grass, a little too early. So slow it down a little bit. Let's slow it down. And this, I don't think the snow hurts the grass any. No. It might help. It might just you know protect mm. it and well, get a blanket on it. I mean... I am not a weatherman, and I'm not an agronomist. Right, but either. when the snow hits the ground, it's going to melt. Uh, if yes. we get some, it's going to be gone within sure. You know, two, three, four hours. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Depends when it hits. I don't. I don't even look at the weather anymore. But yeah. we'll see. Good stuff. 
All right. Well, you guys have a fantastic show. It was good seeing everybody. And uh, we'll catch y'all next week and make sure everybody stays around. Seven o'clock, spin on golf coming your way. Great stuff, Chris. Chris. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. That's going to do it for us this evening. And uh, we will catch you next weekend, Saturday, here on WJR. Six o'clock. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with you next weekend. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Sunday. We'll talk to you then.